Well, if you will, this morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We were there this morning over in Hebrews chapter 11, but we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, no, we did not coordinate that. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10. Last week, um, we kind of uh, talked and uh, learned a little bit about uh, the the typology and the symbolism, if you will, in uh, the feasts that the the Jewish uh, people would celebrate, the uh, the Hebrews, what they would go through and they would show and demonstrate, and how it demonstrated Christ. And we used a little bit of this passage last week to expound on that um, and look at those feasts uh, specifically. Uh, and I want us to go back and take a look at this. We're going to look at something a little bit different this time rather than feasts. Because again, it's very clear and very evident from Scripture that God has revealed himself throughout generations, throughout all of the ages. And regardless of that, we we, we understand that God is, if you will, in the business of making himself known. Um, we find that he also does this in everything that he did for the nation of Israel with all of the, the, the laws, all of the feasts, all of the offerings, everything that they did, there was a typology of who Jesus Christ is. And I want us to see that this morning, something that Jesus Christ did. In uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and in verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. And he begins to establish that the law wasn't intended to do that. Somebody goes about trying to keep the law in a form of legalism, guess what happens? You're just going to continue to fail in it. It's just kind of how that works. And what we see here in verse 2, he says, For then they would not have ceased to be offered. Because the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance, again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore he cometh into the world, uh, when he, excuse me, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body... Thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to just come here to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, uh, hear these things that we find in your wo- uh, your word that would touch our hearts, Lord, as the examples given. 
And that, Lord, we would understand the truth and the doctrine that is contained therein. That, Lord, we would uh, take these things and a desire, Lord, would be in us to please you, to do your will, to honor you and glorify you through what we do daily in our lives. That, Lord, you would be pleased with that sacrifice. I thank you again, Lord, for this time. I pray, Lord, you just be with me, with my mouth, that all of this would be honoring and pleasing unto you. Pray, Lord, that our hearts, above all, would be ready to receive. That again, Lord, we may glorify you through just believing what you have in your word. And I ask and I pray all of this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in this passage, we see there's a lot that's being talked about. But very clearly, when he starts talking about this, he said, we are talking about Jesus Christ. We are talking about the very specific thing that he came to do, which was to give of himself, to die on the cross, as he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, uh, um, but he commendeth his love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's talking about this exact thing that happened, this crucifixion, this resurrection, all of these things that Christ did. And we see that as God is talking about this in the book of Hebrews, he has the writer here make the connection that Jesus Christ is better than those sacrifices and those offerings those things that were done beforehand, he is far better than that because those were done year by year, year by year, year by year, continually. But with Jesus Christ, it was done on the cross and it was finished. No longer does he need to be offered. No longer do these these the, the blood of bulls and goats need to be offered anymore. And it's rather disturbing to see how intent some of the things are with the nation of Israel today. They're intent on bringing back the temple and the altar. And we look at that and we, 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 we kind of, you know, agree that that's kind of some signs of the things to come and we understand that. But it's also in direct defiance against Christ. Bringing back an altar and starting to offer sacrifices and do those things. That's not what God wanted them to do. The book of Hebrews makes that very clear in this passage. All those things that were done away with because it was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law. Every part of it. Every area. There is no sense for us to try to keep that law where they go about and they're now trying to do that. They're bringing in all these red heifers and they're talking about building the temple. They've done the survey of the temple mount and they're talking about, well, we don't have to blow up the the, the dome of the rock, that mosque over there so we can have peace with them. And they're all trying to do this, if you will, in a very humanistic mentality and, if you will, a very pharisaical form. So when Jesus Christ showed up the first time, there were the Pharisees. And when he shows up the second time, the Pharisees will still be there. It's a continual process. They're continuing to have this mindset. But I want to talk about some of the things that we see here, specifically these offerings. Now, obviously, he's talking about the sin offering that's here. And the sin offering is is something that is, is, if you will, when we look at it in Scripture, is fairly basic to understand. 
It's fairly basic to understand. Uh, he talks about it here in uh, verse 4 where he's talking about the blood of bulls and goats. He's talking about what was offered on the altar. There's a lot of things that were done with that. So I want us to kind of keep our place here in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And I want us to go over to the book of Exodus. We're going to take a look at two passages. We're going to take a look at Exodus chapter 29 and Leviticus chapter 4. Uh, Exodus 29 is going to be uh, just kind of a, a brief mention as the introduction of this sin offering. <clears throat> Before this, those things had not taken place. There were other offerings and bird offerings and altars that were were done. But here we find in Exodus chapter 29, <clears throat> and we see all of the things that he goes through and, and, and what he winds up doing here. And in verse, uh, uh, verse, uh, 10, it says, and thou shalt cause the bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock, and thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And it says, and thou shalt take the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger, and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar, and thou shalt take all the fat that covereth the inwards and the gall that is above the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is there uh, that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. But the flesh in the bull of the bullock and his skin and his dung shalt thou burn with fire without the camp. It is a sin offering. So he goes through and he kind of identifies this. Now, he gets in more detail in the book of Leviticus. Go over to the book of Leviticus in chapter 4. Leviticus chapter 4 gives a little bit more detail about what the, uh, took place there. This again was the introduction, the first time that they did this. And uh, uh, it became very clear that the Lord was doing several things with this. Uh, and part of what they did not understand was the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting that the very last book of the Bible is called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. People are constantly looking for a Savior. And when he says over in Romans that it's very evident through all the things that we see, it becomes very clear that the Lord is trying to communicate who he is to his creation. He's done that from the very beginning. He walked with Adam in the garden. It's a very, very apparent thing. Now let's go ahead and go over here to the book of Leviticus. And in Leviticus chapter 4, I want us to see here in verse 3 is where we're going to take a look at. Leviticus 4 verse 3 says, If the priest that is anointed to do sin, uh, do sin according to the sin of the people, let him bring forth his sin which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the offering, or excuse me, unto the Lord for a sin offering. So here he is talking about Okay, we've got a sin offering. Somebody has sinned, a sin offering is brought before the Lord. And he goes through the process in verse 18, or excuse me, verse 8. Verse 8, he says, and he shall take it uh, uh, off from all the fat of the bullock for the sin offering, the fat that covereth the inwards, and the fat that is upon the inwards, the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, uh, which is by the flanks and the call above the liver and the kidneys, and it shall be taken away. As, uh, as it was taken off from the bullock of the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the burnt offering, and the skin of the bullock, and all his flesh with his head and his legs, and his inwards and his dung, even the whole bullock, shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out, 
and burn him on the wood with fire, where the ashes were poured out, shall he be burnt. Now, I want you to notice one thing. I want you to notice something. Did you notice that the whole thing wasn't burnt? On the altar. It was burnt on outside the camp. Now, obviously, we can see a lot of things going on with that about Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, about Jesus Christ being outside the city uh, uh, when he's crucified, and and the things that were taking place there. There's there's a lot of, uh, if you will, uh, connection that we can see with that in prophecy. The same thing with him being offered for our sins, as John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And and here he is going through this. But I want you to notice that not all of it was burned on the altar. Not all of it was burned on the altar. But my purpose this morning isn't to talk about the sin offering. Because we understand the sin offering. Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross for your sin and my sin, and that was the final payment for redemption that we may have salvation through his name. Period. End of story. We kind of go, amen, we understand that. Let's talk about the thing called the burnt offering. The burnt offering. Let's focus a little bit on this. Let's go back over to Exodus chapter 29. Now, he talked about the burnt offering and the sin offering over there in Hebrews chapter 10. We don't understand what the sin offering is about and obviously representative of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the burnt offering and how that represented who Jesus Christ is and what he did. And what we find here in this passage in verse 18 is where we're going to jump down to this. And it says, And thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar... It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now, there's a word in there I want us to take a note of. Verse 18, the word is called whole. Whole. And I want us to take a look over at Leviticus chapter 1 now. Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus has like no introduction to it. It doesn't talk about what it's going to talk about. It just gets right into it. So if you're reading along and all of a sudden you get to the book of Leviticus and it's just like, bam, here we go. And you start going through the list and you're like, wait, hold on, what? (laughs) Okay, Levitical, law, Levites, Leviticus. This is what the priests did. This is what they were to do. This was, if you will, their job description. This is what Jesus Christ does for us. This is one thing we have to understand, because he is prophet, priest, and king. So when we get to Leviticus chapter 1, we go through all of this in verse 1. It says, And the Lord called uh, unto Moses, and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, and of the flock. Saying, it's going to be one or the other. It's going to be either cow or it's going to be lamb. It's going to be one of those two things. In verse 3, he says, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. So as we go through this, we see here it is. Now he's introducing the concept of the burnt offering. The burnt offering and the sin offering are not the same offering. 
Obviously, because one's called sin, one's called burnt. So we, we, we understand that concept. But let's take a look at this a little bit further as we go through this. In verse 3, I want you to notice something that he said here about this offering. I want you to see what, it, what was taking place. Here's this, uh, this uh, Israelite, here's this Hebrew. He comes to the door of the tabernacle and he's got his lamb in tow and he, he's got it perfect and it's without blemish. He brings it before the priest and he says, what are you here for? He says, I am here for a burnt offering. He is doing this voluntarily. Voluntarily. Now, I will tell you one thing in the world today that is the most difficult thing to find is to find a willing volunteer sometimes. Try to do anything that requires volunteer work that's not paid. I don't care what it is. I work also with the Orangefield Fourth of July Parade Commission. We are looking look for volunteers sometimes. It's like we're having to go around and beat every nook and cranny and 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 door to try to get somebody to volunteer to do something, just one thing. But here's an individual that comes to the door of the tabernacle and he says, "I've got a lamb. I want to burn it." Not for the purpose of eating it. Not for the purpose of sin. But it is what's called a free will offering. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But it is of his voluntary will. That verse just makes Calvinists just kind of explode because they have a hard time understanding what voluntary will is. But what we find here very clearly is that this individual does this voluntarily offering it Without prompting, without anything that he, 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 he's, he's, uh, uh, you know, being, if you will, coerced into doing or being, if you will, guilt tripped into doing. Keep that in mind. He does it voluntarily of his own will. Voluntarily of his own will. And I want you to notice as we jump down here a little bit further in this passage, and I encourage you to read it on your own. Don't just, uh, uh, you know, read it during the service, but read it, you know, here uh, later on in verse 9. And here he is talking about what goes on with that after he, it's been flayed and cut into pieces and uh, all the wood is laid on the altar the way it's supposed to. In verse 9 it says, But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all the, on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So after the blood is sprinkled out in verse uh, verse 5 here, it's sprinkled out upon the altar. That's the only thing that isn't burnt. Uh, again, a typology of Jesus Christ as he shed his blood for us. But what we find here very clearly is that if you notice in verse 9, there's another word that kind of matches up with what we saw over there about the whole. What does it say there? Shall burn all on the altar. The whole thing. All of it. That ram, that lamb, that 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 that, that sheep, that of the flock that is brought, and there was some some differences about uh, some things. If people couldn't afford cattle to bring it, if they couldn't afford uh, you know sheep to bring it, and they could afford uh, turtle doves and pigeons, and they, those were offered. And the only thing with those is there was some crop of feather that wasn't uh, wasn't offered on that. But if you look at it, the whole thing is there. 
Now, the sin offering will use only certain parts. The rest of it was taken without, without the camp. Specifically, the skin, the outward covering, and again, talking about some of the representative of Jesus Christ and his flesh. But we're not getting into that with the sin offering. What we're getting into here is the whole part, the whole body, all of it being offered. All of it being offered. All of it being burned up. Take a look at what he says in verse 13. He says, but he shall wash the inward and the legs with water and shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. You know what made it a sweet savor unto the Lord? That it was done willingly. That it was done voluntarily. That it was being done without having to be told. Now, that's an amazing thing to think about. This is pleasing unto God. This was something that he looked at, and it was a sweet savor. It was something that smelled good. It was something that he was very well pleased with. Later on, the nation of Israel begins to use this as a form of religiosity, if you will, And they begin to do it in such a way that it just promotes themselves about look at what I'm bringing, look at what I'm doing, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, and it sent a stink up to God. And God said, I can't stand it anymore, I can't take it. I don't want it, I don't want anything burnt from you. Because it was all about that, and it was not about them giving of themselves. But here we find this sweet savor is made because it's something that is of a voluntary will. It's a voluntary will. Now you go over there to the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 4, and you'll find something as John sees the throne room of God, and he sees that throne, and there's a book that needs to be read, and, and, and there's this you know concern that the book will not be read, and, and, and this lamb comes forth, and it's talking about this lamb as it had been slain, again, representative of Jesus Christ in that passage of Scripture, Because that's what the whole book is about, revealing Jesus Christ. And here he comes and he sits on that, 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 uh, um, that throne. He can read the book, uh, and he's, uh, they're giving him glory, honor, and praise, but he's called a lamb that was slain. A lamb that was slain. That lives forever and forever in the last verse. But again, we find in that passage also we find that it's very clearly identified in verse 11 of Revelation chapter 4, our purpose, and that is simply to please him. All things were created for his pleasure. It means you were created to please God. You were created for his purposes. Something that we need to understand. Well, here we are in Leviticus chapter 1. Take a look at what we find here. Uh, um in verse 10, we find again that this offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats for a burnt sacrifice. He shall bring it a male without blemish. There again, we find the picture of Jesus Christ in this. So we begin to see very clearly Jesus Christ being revealed now in the burnt offerings. But it's very important for us to understand something about the burnt offering. While there was a burnt offering for the things of the sin, and it only used part of it, here we find this burnt offering representative of Jesus Christ being burned in the whole, 
incomplete, all of it. And the purpose, again, is a free will offering. Go over to the book of, uh, here we are in Leviticus, go over to chapter 22. Leviticus chapter 22. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 22, and uh, just uh, not going to get into the whole uh, um, discussion that's here, but in uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 18 of... Um, Chapter 22, if I can get there, my page is stuck together. Uh, verse 18, it says, uh, uh, Speak unto Aaron and his sons and all the children of Israel, and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers of Israel, that will offer his oblation for all his vows, and for all his free will offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering. These are all things that are done voluntarily. These are all things that are done of a specific will of that person saying, I'm going to give this to God. He's going to do with it what he's going to do with it. It's going to give him, if you will, a, a, a sweet savor. I'm coming for the purpose of doing that. That's just simply to please God. There was no benefit behind it. He just came to give. And what we find is we find a representation of Jesus Christ back over in Hebrews chapter 10. We see very specifically here he is doing something that is the give of himself. Go back over there to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. You can lose your place in Exodus and Leviticus. We're going to stay out of there for a while. But here we are back over here in in, in uh, um, Hebrews chapter 10. And I want us to see something here very clearly. We find that God gave Jesus Christ a body in verse 5. What does it say? It says, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, who's that? That's Jesus Christ coming into the world. He saith, that's Jesus saying this, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared me. A body of flesh was given. Why? Because man had to die on a cross for sin. It had to be perfect. It had to be pure without blemish. Hence, Jesus Christ. Why I can't die for my own sins is because I am spotted. I'm spotted no longer because I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ because I have trusted him as my Lord and Savior. But what we clearly see here is we see that God prepared a body for him. And that whole body was offered. He gave it all. He didn't leave part of it behind. He didn't say, well, I'm going to hold something back for myself. He said, no, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give it all to please the Father. Take a look at what he says here as we go through. Here he is given this body and the purpose behind it in verse 7 is what? Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He says it's in the volume of the book it is written of me. Well, what book is he talking about? This one. You're like, well, they didn't have the whole thing right. I understand that. But you know what? God has a little bit more foresight than us. So when we're talking about the book, we're talking about this book. Why? Because I can see him in Genesis. I can see him in Exodus. I can see him in Leviticus. I can see him in Numbers. I can see him in Deuteronomy. I can see him in the book of Esther, even though he is never mentioned. 
I can see him in the Song of Solomon, even though he's never mentioned. I can see him in the creation, as Romans 1 says. I can see him in the morality of a human being as that was written on their hearts, according to the book of Romans. So very clearly we see all of these things that God is demonstrating, but here we see he's saying, I came to do God's will. He came here, put himself in the form of a man, limiting himself. I mean, he, he became hungry, he became thirsty, he grew tired, he grew weary. All of these things that we see, he when, when he was struck, he bled. When he was pierced, he bled. I mean, all of these things, we understand he had a human body. He wasn't Superman. Superman did not die for my sins. Jesus Christ is not Superman. He's God, but he's also God in the flesh. To give a sacrifice well-pleasing unto the Lord to do God's will. Voluntarily. In the garden, he said, not my will, but thine. He knew what he had to do. He came specifically to do it. And God didn't get guilt tripped into this. He didn't sit there and go, oh no, what have I done? Look at I created mankind and they've already messed it up. Oh now, look at what they're doing. I'm gonna have to flood them all and kill them and start hopefully start again. Let's hit the reset button. All right, Noah, you you oh good grief. <clears throat> no. He's like, Well, I better do something, otherwise this is all gonna just turn for naught. No, he knew before the foundations of the world that he was gonna have to die, and he willingly and voluntarily said, I will do that. For my creation. I will do that for them. And here he is. What is he doing? He's doing God's will. And he doesn't say this but once. He says this twice. Because if you jump down in verse 9. What does he say here? He says again. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And the purpose of it, all of it he's doing is he's taking away the things of the law and he's establishing the second and he's establishing that salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ and him alone, not of works, but by grace are we saved through faith. Talked about faith this morning. And we see very clearly that this is representing Jesus Christ in these burnt offerings because it is done of voluntary will and it is the giving of something for God's purpose. For whatever God's going to use it for. To be consumed wholly by Him. This is what Jesus Christ did. Turn over to the book of Matthew. Keep your place there in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. But turn over to the book of Matthew in Matthew chapter um, 26. Matthew 26, I just quoted this a little bit in just a few minutes ago. In verse 42, here's Jesus Christ and he's praying in the garden right before the crucifixion. And what does he pray? Oh, my father, 
It says, he went away again and prayed the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Thy will be done. In verse 39, he says, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Isn't it interesting that the Lord's prayer has thy will be done in it? Thy will be done. Very difficult prayer to pray. Why? Because our will stands in the way. And it is our will that needs to be sacrificed. It is our will that needs to be cast aside. Because it's our will that gets us in trouble. But I want it. I want it now. You can't have it now. Why? We whine. You're like, well, I don't do that. Okay, you do it in your heart. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. We, because we, it's what we want. Well, I don't want to do it that way. Well, how do you want to do it? Well, I want to do it this way. Well, that's not going to work. Well, I still want to do it this way. I want to try. I want to try and fail. Why is it that we have to try and fail for us to get the clue that God was right in the first place without believing by faith that God is right in the first place? Why do we have to do it the most difficult way humanly possible? Well, that's just the way I was... Well, change the way you were made. Quote, unquote. Change the way that you think. Do it right the first time. You don't have to go through every self-inflicted trial on the face of the earth just to prove that God is right. God is right and he's been proved right over and over and over and over and over again. Why can't we just accept that fact? Got off on a tirade there, sorry. (laughs) Go over to to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 30, what does he say here? He says, I can of my own self do nothing. This is Jesus Christ saying this. I want you to grasp this concept, okay? He has purposefully put himself in a human form. You realize that the human form and God are not even anywhere remotely the same other than we're in his image. We have emotions, we have things that are created like that, but when we start talking about the things that we do, the things that we think, the ways that we go, uh, does he not say, your thoughts are not my thoughts, your ways are not my ways? We find there's some very big differences. But what humanism teaches is it teaches that you will be God. And here's what Jesus Christ says, I can't do it. In the flesh, no. Nope. I can't of my own self do nothing. That should be something how we approach God every single day. I can't of my own self do nothing. Lord, I need you. I'm dependent upon you. We get this whole idea and concept that we're independent people out of our mind. And here he says, As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. By the way, if you ever want to learn how to judge righteously, get a hold of this verse. Get a hold of this verse. What do you do? First thing you have to do is you have to hear. Hear what? The Word of God. Then you can judge. Till then, don't even try. 
because I seek not mine own will. You know what judgment means? Your will, out the back door. Jesus Christ said he wasn't here to do his will. That body that was prepared for him had one purpose. Please, God, do his will. Is that not our purpose? Is that not why we are even here? To please him, to do his will? It says, but do the will of the Father which has sent me. He, he very clearly points out that he's going to do God's will. That he's going to do God's will. Turn back over to Hebrews chapter 10, and I want you to take a look at verse 10. Hebrews 10, 10, and what does he say here? By the which will. Well, which will is he talking about? Which will is the most important will? God's, obviously. This is, again, one of those basic, you know, questions. God, Jesus, Bible, right? Okay. Which will is the most important? Well, it's God's. Which will is not that important? Mine. My will. So which will is he talking about? He's talking about the will of God. And what do we find about the will of God? By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That sanctification can only take place because of what God's will has purposed. When you are sanctified, you are sanctified and set aside for his use and his use only, not our own. 1 Corinthians 6 teaches us that. Then why do we get so caught up in the things of the flesh and the things of the world and my will and what I want to do? Why is that? Because we haven't gone to the door of the tabernacle with our free will offering and burned it completely. Because what we see here as the great example of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, that we as believers receive this same example. And what do we see? He gave, it was a body that was given to him. We have a body that was given to us. This flesh and blood, you didn't make it. You didn't make it. If you, if you did, I guarantee you would probably change a few things. You probably would have had better, longer lasting knees. You probably would have created a back that does not have pain receptors or issues, right? You probably wouldn't have created some of these things. But again, let's understand, God didn't create it that way. Sin caused it. Sin brought that in. So this is what we created. Think about this. But we've been given a body. We've been given it to him by him, just like Jesus Christ was given one. What do we do with it? We have to give it to him. He came and he gave that body freely. He did a free will offering, a burnt offering, as Hebrews 10 is talking about, that is a picture of Jesus Christ. He came and he willingly gave that body that was given to him, and it was to be burnt, it was to be given, it was to be consumed completely upon the altar for the use of God. And he did. He gave it all. He gave it all on the altar. 
We sing that. These are all on the altar. We think about that. And many times, if we were to ask ourselves the question as we're singing that hymn, most of the time we would have to be no. But notice, different than the sin offering, this voluntary will offering was given completely. It was whole, it was all, and it was burned, and it was gone. All to please God. It was given willingly. Jesus Christ said, I come to do God's will. And this is where our willingness comes in. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to do it? And it's hard. I mean, here we are. You know, I I just mentioned something about volunteers. You know, it's hard to get volunteers to do stuff. Why? Because we've all got lives, right? We've all got things that we've got to do. We've all got things that we've got to accomplish. We've all got things throughout the day that we have to do to 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 do this and to do that. And uh, yeah. But here comes this little Hebrew, and he walks up to the door of the tabernacle and says, God, this is yours. God, I raised this lamb. I fed it. I nourished it. I even named it. It's yours. Knowing what was going to happen. It was going to be completely used to God. Is our all on the altar of sacrifice laid? A lot of times we want to hold something back. We don't want to give everything. I don't want to give all my time to God. I don't want to give all my service to God. I don't want to give all of my body to God. I don't want to give all my thoughts to God. I don't want to give my life to God. Why? Because it's mine. It's not. Jesus Christ, as an example, gave willingly what he was given. He gave all. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in Matthew chapter 22, in Mark chapter 12, and in Luke chapter 10, there is a common theme that you see with all those verses. It says, love the Lord thy God with all. And there's some modifications of each one. But basically the intent behind every single last one of those is to cover every fiber of your being. Would we voluntarily go to that altar? Would we voluntarily go to the door of the tabernacle and just say, Lord, it's yours. I give it all. Jesus Christ did that for us. Would we give all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our might, all of our mind? Would we give that all to him? To be a pleasing, sweet savor unto him. Simply to do the will of God. I want to close with one more verse. And you probably might think that I, you know where I'm going, and you probably will be right. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> See, I'm ruining you for any other church. <laughs> Somebody's going to sit there and say, you know what, can can you quote Romans chapter? I can quote that because my pastor read that every single time from the pulpit. Why? Because it's this important. 
This is the life that God has given to you. You have a redeemed life through Jesus Christ. You have forgiveness of sins. You have a home in heaven. What are we doing here on earth for God, for what he's given to us? Romans chapter 1 excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He doesn't want you to jump up on an altar and light yourself on fire. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Meaning what? This is something that you do every single day. Every single day. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. Lawyers don't like using the word reasonable in agreements. Why? Because what's reasonable for you may not be reasonable for me. What's reasonable for one company may not be reasonable for the other company. Which is why we sometimes don't like the fact that God used the word reasonable because whose reasonability are we talking about? God's. Not mine. But still, even when I think about it from a fleshly aspect, it's still reasonable. It's still reasonable that he would ask and say, I saved your soul. Could you do something for me? I, I, I gave you forgive. You know that thing that you did over there on October, uh, uh, 2nd, uh, 2022 or October 2nd, 1980 something? <clears throat> You're like, I don't know. I don't remember that at all. And God goes, well, you know what? I had a book that it was written down in and it's been blotted out. I forgave you of that. Would you do something for me? Would you do something for me? He says in verse two, very here he is going into this. What does that living sacrifice look like? Well, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect what will of God, which is exactly what Jesus Christ came to do and fulfill. That burnt offering was a free will offering. Would we be willing to free our will to be put on an altar of sacrifice? Would we be willing to step to the door of a tabernacle and give our all? Our Savior did it for us. And look, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody into doing anything because then it's not voluntary. I'm just giving you something to think about. Like, well, that's guilt trip. Well, great. You know, I learned from some of the best. Um, <clears throat> but I'll tell you this. That's scripture. This is what the scripture tells us. He came and he, as an example of all those things, of a shadow of the things to, to come, he came and gave himself willingly on that altar so that we would have life through him eternally. Would we give our all? Would we do the same? If we were a Hebrew and we knew that free will offering was there and we just wanted to please God, 
not a matter of a blessing, not a matter of a forgiveness of sin. It's just some guy comes and says, I got this lamb, I want to give it. You know, in our will, sometimes we try to take and coddle that thing and try to love on it and take care of it. But you know, really, it really needs to go up in flames sometimes. All of it. What are we doing for Jesus Christ? You know, our lives look very different now that we're trusting Christ as our Savior. I can't even begin to imagine. (sighs) Knowing the stuff I've already done and knowing the stuff that has, if you will, quote-unquote, pleased me and my flesh and my past. Oh, yeah. I'd be a person you would not want to know. And I probably wouldn't want to know you either. But isn't it amazing that the blood of Jesus Christ takes care of all of that? And it doesn't matter what you've done. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're part of the body of Christ. You're His. No one can ever take that away. And yeah, I am commanded to love you. But I do it because God loved me first. And if He can love me, I certainly can love a brother and sister in Christ. The burnt offering and Christ in that burnt offering. Let's use it as an example for our life. How much He gave for us. Will we be willingly voluntarily giving of what God has given us. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. And Lord, again, just another simple thought. Yet at the same time, Lord, it is one that is complex in our mind. It is one that is very clear. And at the same time, Lord, one that we need to seek every single hour of every single day. And Lord, again, I thank you for all that you've given to us, above all the sacrifice that you did make. And Lord, you willingly did it. You didn't have to, but you did. And Lord, I pray that that mentality, that mind of Christ, will be found in each one of us that we would just be willing to say, no, I don't have to, but I will because I want to do what God wants. Lord, may that be our thought. Thank you again for this, this moment that we've had to think about this, to see the things from your word. And this I ask in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.